Well, hey everyone, welcome to Tales of Recovery. This is Grisalves. And this is the year my mother died. Uh, it's about to be the week of late November, so we're entering into the winter solstice. It's getting a little bit cooler here where I live. And what happened this year has really been a very interesting, I'm sure, for everybody because of this virus thing and all the turmoil politically that's happening and I think it's just this greater awakening where people are really like, what the fuck is this life? Is this what life is? We want something else. <laughs> and so I thought I'd come on here and really get this off my chest. <laughs> just what happened during the year my mother died, like 2020, what, what how I process things and what's going on and I have really tales of recovery is it's like what I've told you guys before, this is my meeting, right? This is where I come and share. My guests come and speak from their heart, and, and that's how we heal and how we get back our life or a sense of purpose um, or even just a sense of feeling a little bit softer because what happened this year for me is I became softer. And as I'm stepping into this awareness of how we run with our personalities and our and our protections that really move us forward in life because it's hard to be human. It's intense to be in this human body. And as difficult or, or really huge events come and slap us in the face in life, um, we, get, we have two opportunities, right? We can just keep on trucking and not pay attention, or you can choose to stop and pay attention. And I've chosen to pay attention for the last 20-something years, on and off, sometimes better, sometimes not, but recently a lot more in this journey that I've had of not only my recovery, but hand-in-hand hand with my husband's recovery and trying to get back really what's important in life in awareness and lots of yoga practice and lots of mindfulness and meditations and really seeking what gives meaning to my life. Right? And that's the main question here, is what gives meaning to your life? ¿Qué le da sentido a tu vida? And so, why am I calling this podcast the year my mother died? Is it's, like I, it's like I began to live as soon as she died, right? Um, a new perspective of living, of course. And so, you know, like I, I, I witnessed her leaving her body little by little, for about two years prior to her actually taking her last breath here in this dimension. And that process was really like, a, like an initiation, right? Now she's now an ancestor and it's like an initiation of, well, I'm her oldest daughter, so now I'm stepping into this, this role of, well, first of all, I'm next, right? Well, the mom's dead, well, who's the next to die? Probably me, so it's in your face. The reality of impermanence which the reality of impermanence is here all the time, right? Like this breath is gone, and now this breath is gone, and I'll record this podcast, send it into the internet, and then it's gone, the next one. So everything is constantly changing. But when a person so close to you dies, you realize, well, okay, I've always been talking about death, but this shit is actually coming. And I don't really want to be thinking all the time about what happens after you die. I want to be thinking really about what's happening right now in my body, in this moment, in this 
present day. And so the perspective of living after your mom's gone is okay. What choices have I made in my life that I really align with, that I've integrated? And then what are the things that I still would like to see change, right? It's an opportunity. And the grief, the coming together as a family and holding every freaking body um, together, like all of us holding each other together was, was weird. You know, it's, and I think it's normal that it's weird. We, we didn't really, we don't really have a culture of embracing death and grieving and talking openly about all emotions and sensations. And, you know, some people might be going to therapy, some people might not. Some people might be doing a lot of, you know, intense inner work, some people might not. The one person that I know is not for sure is my dad and a lot of other family members. And so it's, it's just, I'm, I'm learning that, and this is one of those slap you in your face lessons, is there's two, uh, there's two choices I can take, right? The character of fighter, of warrior, of I'm gonna do this and you need to do it too, bah, in your face, how come you're not calling the grief counselor, how come you're not doing it? Or the new perspective that I've learned in this year which is actually integrating really nicely into the cellular level of my body, is to soften and to really practice what I teach, which is self-compassion. I have been teaching self-compassion for the past three, three years, four years, integrating into the circles I teach, the meditation classes I teach, in yoga, in, in everything, right? If you did my soul recovery online course, and wherever I go, that's one of the main topics, I never leave that out, self-compassion, self-soothing, becoming aware of your humanity and that it's okay that it's hard. We all have the capacity to a degree to build resilience and to notice this resilience. So after my mom died, which first of all, it's really interesting how she died before all this shut down COVID stuff, which was really kind of cool because we wouldn't have been able to have such a warm and cozy and just beautiful, you know, wake for her, like a viewing, an at-home viewing, and then the gathering of all the loved ones and friends. Imagine, I mean, I, I, I really, man, I really feel for everyone who's lost someone after that where you can't gather, you know, for a funeral or, or, or to hold each other because it's such a precious moment to notice to say goodbye, to celebrate other people's lives, and if you can't be together. So, and my mom always had such good luck <laughs> in many things, you know. There'd be no freaking parking at the farmer markets ever. She'd be like, I'm gonna get a parking right in front. Boom, there it was. <laughs> you know, no way we were gonna get into a line somewhere. She'd just walk right up and say something, and then we'd get in the line. So, of course, she leaves, you know, a month before the COVID stuff starts. <laughs> a month or two. She died January 2nd. And, you know, two months later, we're all in lockdown and <laughs> in a forced, in a forced sitting with the grief, you know, not much, not many places to run and hide and go. And so I, my, my drive is to seek what can I do to alchemize this pain, work out this trauma, process it, let's go, let's go, let's go. That's just how I roll. That's, 
you know, why this is called Tales of Recovery, because whatever you're doing to recover, you're getting back, or you're remembering something that will be helpful, hopefully, to live a, an easier, softer life. And so, you know, we're in this, this year, my mom dies in January, February, March, April, we're like one month into this playing house and COVID, like, okay, we're all gonna cook, we're hanging out, yay, and then end of April, it's like, okay, this is getting really old and intense, all the yoga studios are closed, and, you know, I messaged one of my dear teachers, who's now a dear friend, I'm like, help me, for the love of God, I can't fucking take this anymore, come over, start doing yoga, hop onto, like, different online courses on spirituality and a mentorship with shamanic training and Akashic records and I'm doing, you know, we're journaling and meditating and meditating and plant medicine, plant medicine, plant medicine. And just for the, the year review, like I was, wow, there's so much. Sometimes I wonder if I do so many of these courses to just, it's like a drug, you know, to like feed off of something new instead of really just sitting with it, which could be, you know, could be. Um, but I have, you know, I have sat with, with myself in silence, just inviting the presence of nature to come in and feel, feel the grief, feel the sadness, feel the anger, and then also feel, wow, such gratitude that I'm, we're still able to live, you know, and still able to, to see my kids' faces and see them smile, to hold hands with my husband to know that my dad's back there and we're hanging out as a family, going to lunch. And then up comes this yuck, like trauma, like bullshit stuff again. And so here's like, okay, this is what's happening. Um, I'm feeling kind of weird. I'm feeling kind of, mm, okay, so what do we do? What do we do? Instead of sometimes, you know, sometimes you can just sit there and feel it. Sometimes the pain is a little too intense. You know, and in this year, it's been so intense that all of those people giving free yoga lessons and free meditations on, on Facebook and Instagram and wherever, online, on Zooms, thank you, thank you, thank you, because we all really need to hop on there and listen to all of these beautiful practices and techniques to, first of all, to know that we can navigate these amazing bodies, right, and we can heal ourselves emotionally, psychologically, physically, I believe, you know, choosing what we put into our brains, in through our eyes, in through our ears, and of course through our mouth. And also, sometimes, even with all these practices, we still need help. And one of the things I've been, I did is call, you know, I worked with this, I don't know what they're calling, these family constellation things that are amazing in, in Mexico, Las Constellaciones Familiares, they're very, very popular in Mexico, and I've done them in the past, and it's like it's kind of like the psychodrama where you go in and figure out the dynamics of how you grew up, what your parents were acting like, and what their parents were acting like, or their situation, where they came from, what happened. And in one of these situations, like I'm in there, it's like a three-hour, it's like this three-hour um, session, right, with this super cool, like, therapist, PhD guy, but he's a freaking shaman, and he's just in there, and you're meditating, and things start coming up, and you realize, oh my God, and this also happened a little bit up in the energy retreat that I did with Sasha Cobra, also a couple months, or a month ago, 
and these things that start coming up are I begin to realize how a lot of and a lot of the work I do in deconstruction of patriarchal religions it's interesting because this is one of my life passions you know one of my life things is to like read for me right and deconstruct like why are we believing these patriarchal systems if they're really not that new they're really not that helpful at all they're fear-based and they're kind of fucked up whereas before that like a neolithic like way before it was really more of an equalitarian belief system everybody pulled in their share everybody and the women were you know were okay to be seen as leaders they weren't like being mean to the men they were just in you know they were cooking and making medicine and they were holding you know each other and you know of course you're giving birth because you have to have all these women around you while you're having babies and and it just uh in reverence to life like you're giving birth so what else gives life you know plants and the trees and all nature and these earth-based beliefs and these earth-based practices make so much more sense to me than any fucking patriarchal religion and that's really where I've been heading for the past four or five years. Now, mind you, five years ago, I was still a little shy about it, like holding women's circles, talking about this, going, hey, cabron, is this like, is this like, a, is this okay? Like in my mind, still kind of knowing that this was true and doing it anyway and having an amazing time and like breakthroughs and just gathering and having fun, but also deep down thinking, I don't really know if it's okay to say this out loud because so-and-so might say I'm crazy, and so-and-so might say, and honestly, it doesn't fucking matter who's so-and-so. What matters is what I think of me. And so when my mom died, it was one of the things we used to discuss a lot, is like, who, you know, she would say, like, who cares what people think? Well, now you don't care what people think, because now you're heading out, and now things, now you got perspective. Whereas before, we hold back so much because of these oppressive beliefs and, like, you know, what are they going to say? And so-and-so said this, and so-and-so said that, and the religion doesn't approve of that, or family doesn't approve of that, or don't speak too loud, or close your legs, or, you know, that shirt has too low of a cut. And what happens is when you're about to die, you get a new perspective. And so the year my mother died, she offered me this perspective, but really in a tangible way. And I've been alchemizing and feeling and getting this tangibility of this new perspective in my body, in my bones, in my heart, in my throat, right? Like, I, I, I've been speaking and singing for long, but now I really, I really, I'm sensing a little bit more of a relief while doing it, a freedom while doing it. Actually, I'm having fun while doing it. And I gotta tell you, for a lot of times, it wasn't really fun doing it. It was like doing it out of duty, out of obligation. And there was a byproduct of fun here and there, but there was always like this holding back to a degree and so I really want to thank my mom, my grandmother, their mothers and their mothers for this gift of perspective, for this gift of knowing, oh, you see, I'm even feeling a little bit of a wind right now. My skin is chilling up and it's like, my, I just feel like she's around me all the time and breathing through me and, and this, you know, this part of this session that I was telling you guys about with the family constellations where I thought, you know, that, that I was really hard and tough because of my mom and my grandma and the, the, the therapist who I've never met, he asks me, well, where, where's your mom from? Like, where, where are your grandparents from? I said, well, they're from the north of Mexico. They're from Sonora. And he's like, oh, of course, 
um, because he also is from the north, he's from Monterrey, and he said, you know, well, he lives in Monterrey, but he's from the north of Chile, and he says, you know, northern women don't have it as easy as women in the south, because in the south of Mexico, you know, you lift your hand, there's a pear in the tree, there's, you lift the other hand, you grab a little apple, like there's a lot more lushness and easier way of, of life because there's just more, more rain and more sun, and so there's more flora, more, um, you know, there's more jungly, and there's just easier access to, to food and provision. Whereas in the north, there's a lot more of a desert, and so it's, it's harder, there's not that much rain, not, not all the time, so you have to work harder. So you have to work harder or else you're not going to eat. It's not as easy as it's in the South, it's in the North. So a lot of, that's how he explained that a lot of the women in the North are a little bit more hardcore, more like, Orale! you know, because you have to be, you have to toughen up or else you don't eat. And this hardness is, you know, it's a little bit of, you know, it, it, it's, it's just a little bit of what life has and how you are made and also a little bit of protection. But it also makes us very, very strong. My mom was very, very strong. I'm, a, I'm very strong. My sister's fucking strong. You know, my daughter, my niece. And the thing is, um, it's good to tell your daughters that, that you see their strength and to tell yourself, I see my strength. You know, one of the things that we did in this, in this, you know, this family thing is like you see yourself as your seven-year-old, your 15-year-old, your 14. And there was this one point where you, know, you realize, and I realized in me, how sometimes at my age, with certain people, I turn into, or my, my emotional self turns into this seven, eight, nine-year-old girl. And I act out of the fear or the agreements that this seven, eight, nine-year-old girl made when she was seven, eight, nine, or 10 years old. And now that you're 50, or I'm 50, why the fuck am I acting like this? You know, and so what this exercise brought for me is awareness. Now I do a lot of this work in the trauma-informed yoga that I, that I learn, that I teach. And then trauma, you go back to the event, little by little, come back to now, you're here, you're present. You don't necessarily go back to the event, but you're feeling the sensations in your body. And if it's really, really hard, then you open your eyes, you touch your hands, you take a sip of your tea, it's okay. You're here, you're in this present moment. And then you can maybe slowly get back into the body and feel those emotions, those sensations that you don't want to feel. And then you start to feel them and you notice that it's energy and it moves and everything's changing and the impermanence. You're not always angry. You're not always joyful, right? They move, they come and go. The same thing with these memories and these psychodramas and family constellations. It's like I'm not always acting like a seven-year-old. Sometimes I'm 50 and I'm like, ah, oh, you guys can go fuck yourself. I'm doing what I want. Or I can come back in and say, I can't enjoy my life because I made this agreement when I was really, really little that I wasn't going to enjoy my life to the 100% that is my birthright to enjoy. And one of the things that I learned in this is that, you know, my, the guy just said, you know, you're blaming your, or you're, you're not blaming, but you're, you're thinking that a lot of your, your, what you're dealing with here with uh, for pleasure and this and that as a woman is because of the religion and the oppression of women, which, yes, there's a lot of that too. But also, tell me about your dad's and his parents. And I said, well, my dad's mom died when he was born. And the guy said, well, how do you think that affected your dad? 
Because most kids, when their parents died when they were young or during birth, carry this guilt throughout the rest of their life. And I'm sure, I'm sure somebody, once in a while somebody also, besides him knowing this at a cellular level, I'm sure somebody mentioned, or he overheard, if it wasn't for him, this chick would still be alive, his mom, you know. Or too bad that she died because now he's here and blah, blah, blah. So psychologically, the way that affects a kid is that he can't have a good life because he's so, he feels so guilty. And even if you do have a good life, you don't allow for 100% of enjoyment in this life. And when this guy's saying this, I was like, oh, cabrón, the 20s are falling. Cayendo los 20s, cayendo los 20s. Ah, that's a new one. The 20s are falling. For the non-Spanish speakers, the 20s are falling. Isn't going to make sense, but it's kind of a... <laughs> It's like when those downloads drop and you get things. Like, it's like, a, it's a, it exactly means an aha moment. And the aha moment for me was like, yeah, no wonder. He's always been kind of like this, my dad's a great dude, but he's always had this little bit of a little bit of a victim attitude. I'm like, why are you such, like, why are you so careful and scared? Like, you have everything. You're 85, you had a full life, you got kids, you got grandkids, you have a house, you're living with your family. I mean, you can go anywhere, you, you're, you're healthy, like, why are you so fucking worried and scared all the time? And it's not new, this has always been all his life. Of course, we've had parties and travels and here and there where, you know, people enjoy because you're not always in your trauma. You come in and out of flow because that's, because spirit knows and you, you know, consciousness and awareness that lives through you knows. But when you fall into this, you know, mode or this character that you created to be faithful to your freaking sadness it, it just makes so much sense I'm like no wonder and so like this guy's like yeah see you you think it's the mo you think a lot of he says like a lot of my patients think it's the moms and a lot of times we forget to look at the dad and saw kind of how that that pans out so I find myself now you know with my dad here feeling like even when my mom was sick, and so she was smoking, she was smoking pot because it, it was the only thing that made her calm down and the anxiety. And it took me months to convince the doctor to stop giving her all these stupid over the prescription pills that just made her loopier and allow her to just smoke her weed because she felt so much better. One time, the doctor asked me, "Okay, tell me why, why I should like." Explain to me exactly why you think weed is so much better. I go, look, every time you give her these antidepressant pills, these, these anti-dementia pills, these sleeping pills, she takes them for a month, she gets worse, she gets sloopy, she actually does not sleep, she gets more, and then you get off those pills, she smokes them for and she calms down, she, her appetite opens up, she laughs, she enjoys, her body feels better, she gets to eat, and it's, it's like, oh, there's my mom again. So finally, the doctor's like, you know, you're right. Okay, fine. Just stop giving her those pills. Just, just give her her whatever she wants, whatever Greece, whatever Queen Greece wants, whatever Queen Greece gets. And so you know, she, you know, her friends would come over. They light it up. She loved it. I mean, I have some texts that are so funny. It's her just texting me. I need some weed. When are you coming over? <laughs> and so you know, these, I'd have to go to the dispensary, bring her the weed, or you know. My daughter would come over, they'd smoke out, my friends, everybody, and she'd say, like, come on, you smoke. 
and honestly, I, I don't really do well with marijuana. I, I mean, I love sacred plants and sacred medicine, I do. But for some reason, I think I just did it too much when I was younger. So for me, like I take one hit of that thing and it's like I'm on ayahuasca. And of course one day, you know, my mom insisted and my daughter was there and I was like, all right, fine, whatever. And there, you know, of course, I felt like, oh my God, I'm doing this and there's my dad. And here I am, freaking in my late 40s, worrying about what this dude is gonna think. And so that's when I understand this is what this is what the psychodrama means. This is what the constellaciones means. When we in our mind fall into this seven, eight, or teenager kid in our emotional self, even though we're already 30, 40, 50, <laughs> and our subconscious really makes us believe that it's real. And of course, if you smoke some weed, well, you're gonna think it's even more real because that stuff is like, you're really in the skin. And so it was like, I, I kept talking myself out of it. Like, why do I even give a shit? I'm here, this is my house. Like, I don't, I am, like, I'm old enough to do this. So it just, I'm just giving an illustration of how this pans out at times. When you're out living your life and you're like, I am woman, hear me roar. You're doing your thing, everything is great. You step into grandma and grandpa's house and your parents, and right away they're like shaming you and you sit down and they take the chunk line and you feel like they just smacked your face with it. And you start giving excuses and you start making yourself small and you, you, you don't speak up because you feel like that's disrespectful and there you are, there you are. <laughs> there you are in your seven or in your 10 year old body, in your 10 year old emotional self. Subconsciously making yourself small, scared in an agreement that you're not gonna enjoy and in an agreement that you can't speak up so that's one of the things that I, that I saw in this. And so of course, of course, I was like, that's why, that's why these patriarchal religions are so fucking lame. And why I've kind of stepped into, in and out of their control, you know? Because they don't let you have pleasure. <laughs> they don't let you live life to the fullest. You cannot enjoy, because that's a sin. Because that's, you can't do that. Oh, in this whole like, well, you know, you can't have sex until you're married. And sex is so bad, so bad, so bad. And then you're married and then you're like, well, I'm still thinking that, you know, that this is, all of a sudden, how can just when you're married, all of these negative, you know, beliefs and sensations and emotions now come in, now they're gonna be gone? I mean, that's just dumb. And so, uh, you know, you can't, um, if, if we were, to be taught since young kids that rolling around in the sand and feeling the sensation of the heat and the waves is like, oh, such pleasure, so amazing, so loving. And that that transfers into eating chocolate and just your soup and as you're planting a flower outside and as you're putting your clothes on and everything in life is so sensual and so pleasurable. And I think that's how the women used to be before they killed them all, these fucking motherfucker patriarchal people because it was just too much power for them. So remembering that, enjoying that, is one of the gifts that happened this year, after my mother died, the year that my mother died. Because um, I, I did that before, but I said like in and out, you know, because you're flowing and you know, but this year has been so powerfully more, the perspective that I have now, it's like every freaking second I'm like, <gasps> I'm breathing in, <sighs> I'm breathing out. <sighs> 
Ooh, that feels good. Ooh, that feels good in my body. Oh my gosh, let me touch my 50-year-old juicy belly and my hips. And I'm no longer telling myself, hey, you don't have abs like Madonna. Get the fuck on the mat and you know start crunching them. Because I'm no longer beating myself up. Hell to the no. I love nourishing my body and movement and drinking lots of water and tea. Of course, but because I feel good, because I love my body, because if no, if I eat gluten and Krispy Kreme donuts, I'll be on the couch for two weeks fucking with the flu. I can't do it. I have an autoimmune thing. So that's, I've learned that. But now I know that all of there's all of this amazing juiciness things that can be enjoyed in life and just, um, you know, that, that it could be, how can I say this, like, juicy, I don't know, that I don't, that it, that it's not like a, like a fearful thing, you know, because I think I used to, you know, we, we get, we can run and exercise and work out out of fear, out of fear that we're going to get sick, that we're going to die. I'll tell you what, <laughs> we're still going to die. You might get sick, you might get stuck in a car accident, whatever, but it's, it's coming. And so the main purpose is how are we living? And I heard, you know, this morning I was listening to this really cool chick called Carolyn Misk. And I think that's her name. Yeah, Carolyn, Carolyn Misk talking about how, you know, she, she was talking about these prayers, right, to soften into, oh, I have to talk about softening into, but let me tell you first about the prayer. So it's to soften into, like, this last end of the year. And one of the, she starts saying the prayer about, and she starts it with, dear Lord. And right away she stops herself and says, okay, hold on now. Hold on now. Before anybody goes down to like, why is she calling it Lord? You can call her goddess. You can call it Virgin Mary. You can call it Buddha. You can call it spirit, earth, whatever you want to call it. This creation power, it doesn't matter what you call it. It doesn't matter because it's like, you know, if you're Chinese and I am Mexican and there is a, you know, and I don't know, like a person from Chile and someone from Russia and we all sit in a table and we all eat a piece of cake, we're all eating the same cake, a chocolate cake, right? I'm not eating it in Spanish and the Chinese person isn't eating it in Chinese and the Russian person isn't eating We're all eating it and tasting it and this cake is the same. So when you say a prayer, or when you sit in silence and listen, whether you want to call it Jesus, Mary, Buddha, earth, spirit, plant, higher power, whatever you want to call it, it doesn't matter. What matters is what gives you intimacy with this. So as you're beginning to, to fall into a gratitude or a devotion or just a prayer or just even a help me, whatever you're going to call it, it isn't going to matter because it's giving you intimacy. Now, mind you, that it doesn't tie you into specific dogmas or limitations because you're calling it, you know, well, whatever name you're going to call it, and if you call it that name, then you can't wear pink, or if you call it that name, then you can't have sex before you're married, or if you call it that name, then you have to wear certain outfits. So that's besides the point. That's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about here is as you go and, and light a candle and, you know, have some beautiful flowers and just connect with this magic of life, what Carolyn Miss was saying is that it gives you intimacy. And it was so beautiful for me to be able to 
understand this without immediately saying, no, no, no mami. If you're calling it Jesus, you're, no. No, no, if Jesus creates an intimacy for you, beautiful. But I gotta tell you this, this is something that this year that my mother died has expanded in me. I don't think I would have been able to say that a year ago or two years ago or 50 years ago. It is something that is now part of this softening that I'm talking about. And how, what do I mean by softening? You know, self-compassion is this concept that I always thought, well, no, you're going to be weak and that's dumb. People are going to take up advantage of you. But self-compassion is being able to be with ourselves, with you, with me, as I'm living a specific moment, right? And it doesn't mean that I'm dumb, that I'm, that I'm letting people come in and trample over me. It just means that as I'm going through a difficult moment, you know, for example, you know, the funeral and it's so sad, that you can place your hand on your heart or I would place my hand on my heart and say, man, this is really hard. And that I could just notice and say, this is a moment that I'm living right now that is so hard. Oh, man, Ruth. In the self-soothing and telling myself, I accompany myself with this. I am not the only one whose mom has died. There's so many of my friends that are that are moms have passed away that had to go through this. So many people that reached out after I sent out the podcast after she died. People that were following along with her on her Instagram and me that said, "Oh my gosh, my mom died too." And this, I, oh, okay, I'm not the only one. So this compassion is expands, right? I can share this pain. This pain is shared by other humans in life. I'm not the only one. Whew, okay, that expands my heart a little bit, my capacity to feel this. And then I can just sit there and notice and cry or be angry or hug people and allow or not allow. It doesn't matter. It's just self-compassion and awareness that I can be with myself with whatever is happening. And I kept telling this to my mom on and on and on and on constantly when she was, you know, super pissed off towards the last, well, that whole two years she was just angry. And we worked on allowing and, and building resilience and just softening into what is, what was happening. And so in this year with all of these difficult situations that have happened and encounters with grief and rules about you can't do this, you can't go there, and fear, are you going to get sick? Are, you, are they going to get sick? Are they not? Um, are we going to be able to work? Are we not? Um, so many things that are in our face now, and, and including, you know, our own inner work, our own inner struggles, that I've learned to say, it's okay. Okay, 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 let's see. So many other humans are going through this, and right now I can be with myself with what's happening. Allow to feel angry, to feel resentful to feel prideful to feel sorrow to feel joy to feel icky tingling oh, I want to throw up I want to take a shower I want to run I want to kick someone all of it all of it all of it and just say wow that's just part of being human and that's just part of feeling and it's so intense to be human and it's so intense to feel because we have so many sensations you know you can see you hear you taste uh, your body this and that and until sometimes you practice closing your eyes and noticing the sensations and feeling good in your body a little more, noticing what you're hearing, noticing what you're feeling, feeling the breath, feeling the breath, calming the breath, making it longer, making it, sh 
longer as you inhale, longer as you exhale. In these practices of all of a sudden, you're just inside, inside your body, in silence, even if for a few moments, but now, oh, there it is. There it is, this connection to source, to love, to breath, to God, to whatever you want to call it, whatever gives you intimacy. And there it is. And that's what I would practice with my mom. You know, when we would breathe together during those last two, three months. And now when I've had these experiences of breath work or when I sit with, you know, those Nino Santos or plant medicine and it's like, there it is, there it is, there it is. And I am more and more growing into this softness of allowing to feel whatever and also not just allowing that it's hard and that it's okay and that anxiety and that it's okay to feel angry or sad, but also allowing really for pleasure. Mmm, that feels so good. Things taste so amazing. It's fun. It's okay to have fun. You know, I don't know, but for a long time, I, feel, I felt so guilty about having so many good things in life, you know? Like, I can't say that I'm going on a trip because I feel bad of so-and-so that's not going on a trip, or I feel so bad of all those kids at the border that, that are asking me, you know, for helping. I just want to put them all in the car and bring them home with me. And not that not, that's not a kind thing to think, but it's like the guilt, right? Or, or that you can't say that you got, you know, a good marriage because you feel like so-and-so is going to be like, well, yeah, blah, 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 it must be nice, fuck you, blah, blah. And so now I understand, like, those are just agreements. <laughs> and it's okay to enjoy and have pleasure. And I've always been very, very real about the shadow and the pain, right? I'm a, I'm a shadow girl. Let's get in the shadow. No freaking spiritual bypassing here. And that's another thing. Yes, this pleasure, this allowing for pleasure, well, you have to go through the shadow to get here. So, you know, I mean, you can choose, and, and it's not like I'm going to go 50,000 years to only pleasure. It, it comes and goes. But yes, it, it is all about really enjoying life because what else are we going to do? Even in, even in the difficult times, be present and knowing this is, this is what life is, even the difficult moments looking at someone in the face and really feeling like, wow, what a mirror of what I don't like. And when I get back, I'm going to journal about this and I'm going to think about it and burn a candle and why the fuck. And then you alchemize it and we're constantly doing this magic of shifting energies and noticing that we can actually move energy. We are energy. And all of these lies that we've been told before that that's not true, that's not real, life sucks and you just pay the bills and die. No, 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 it's not true. It's not true at all. So in this year, and we're still in the middle of it, you know, there's, there's still all these struggles, but perspective, man, perspective is everything. How are we going to look at things? How much time are you going to spend in the news worrying about things? It all it takes is five minutes to see the numbers, boom, you're done. Now go do your yoga, light a candle, cook some soup, and breathe, and do five push-ups, and read a book, and go to work, and look on the, and, and work on your perspective with what is. We don't have to be fake Pollyannas, but you can notice what's happening. Notice what's happening. Notice what's happening. And more and more than when it gets hard, it's like self-compassion, self-compassion. And then it's like this, this softness starts to come in. 
And it doesn't always work, whatever, you know. I mean, we're expanding and we're expanding it. But when it does, like, man, I saw my mom suffering up those last two years like ever before. And I saw my grandma soften up the last 10 years of her life like ever before. It was the best, man. It was the best coming over to see her those last 10 years because she was soft and she was funny and she wasn't, you know, fucking being as hard as like she used to be before. You know, she was funny and cool before, but it was more intense, you know. So softening into life and, and just being, you know, there's, there's power in it. There's power in self-compassion and in softness. And so this is one of the gifts of this year, finding intimacy, finding more connection, being in, in the present, in the here and now, and growing in love. Thank you, Mom. Thank you for all the perspective. This is what's happening so far in this year. That my mother died. And that uh, that we can be more aware of life when death comes in. Allow ourselves to grieve, to feel, and to get back and notice. What's important, each breath, and that we could continue to expand in softness and in love. Ashe, thank you for listening to Tales of Recovery, and we'll see you next time. Again, of course, if you think that this was helpful, please go ahead and share, or leave a little review and comment, and spread the word. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and I think it's now on Amazon, but I need to check, I, I, or some other, I'll have to check. But anyway, you get the point. Muchas gracias, <laughs> and uh, love and light.